one. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Four Checking TV. I'm your host, Doug Glackey, and alongside me this evening is my co-host, Scotty Porterfield, and my co-host, Peyton Trollinger. Boys, how we doing? We're here, man. We are finally back again, and a lot has changed since the last time we've gotten on, and uh, some big changes could be coming this offseason as well for the Penguins. I, so I promised myself that I wasn't going to try and talk, that I wasn't going to worry about the Penguins, you know, pending off season until it actually got there, but damn it, here comes Jeff Carter with the extension. So let's get right into it. I'm yeah. doing pretty good too. I can't, I'm just excited to talk about the pens, honestly, because that's what that's what really needs addressed. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know, obviously as Scotty teased earlier, big extension for big Jeff Carter. Two years, three point one two five million dollar cap hit. And you know, everybody I feel like right away you saw a lot of people get worked up over the fact of like, okay, why are they giving a two-year deal to a 37-year-old third-line center? And the answer is because he's damn good at being the third-line center. I mean, we all know that these past 10 years have been just a complete state of limbo for the most part, with the exception of the short-lived Nick Benino era in terms of replacing that third-line center hole that was left whenever they had to trade Jordan Stahl. So, you know, and I mean, he's playing third line center better right now at 37 years old than, you know, Brandon Sutter did when he was like 25 or 26, you know, better than Nick Bukestad ever did. Yeah. And I mean, for God's sake, we had, we were parading around a replacement level version of Riley Shane as a third line center for a better part of the 2018 season, whenever they were trying to three-peat. And they started the year with Greg McKegg there, you know, like people don't understand. I feel like people forget how pivotal it is to have a good third line center, especially in Pittsburgh, because it, it's no coincidence that their most championship caliber teams have come whenever they have a lights out third line center. Yeah, you hit it right there, Doug. You, like, I, you pretty much took the words out of my mouth, honestly. I was like, going to say, when this team has been at their very best, it's because they've had that depth down the middle at third line. You know, in 2009, they won with Jordan Stahl, and obviously in 16 and 17, they had Benino. And you have a guy who is pretty close to that, if not maybe better on, on certain occasions with Jeff Carter. Like you said, he's played better than Brandon Sutter and Shahan and Galchenyuk and Jankowski and all the other random penguin legends that can be thrown in there. I use the term legends loosely, of course, but still you get the point. This team succeeds whenever they have three strong, at least three strong centers going down the middle. And why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want to keep that together? I, I get that everyone's like, Oh, he's too old. I don't know. From what I've seen these in this small sample size with him, he's not really slowing down. He's continued to play well and he's thriving with the players that they put with him. So I'm cool with this extension. I have no issue with it whatsoever. The only problem is now is that, like I said earlier, now it's opened up the door to what does the offseason bring forward to us? I honestly don't really have a problem with the extension either. Maybe it's a tad bit too much money, but that'd be my only uh, qualm with it. But, I mean, he, Jeff Carr has been really good for Pittsburgh lately. You know, it's, it's not even just important for Pittsburgh to have a third-line center. But you need a third-line center anywhere you play. You can't always rely on your top stars to produce. 
are going to have off nights, and then you get a guy like Jeff Carter. You know, he's older. He's kind of in the twilight of his career. He kind of knows that, hey, I'm not going to be playing those top six minutes. I'll play bottom six and help my team out even more, just kind of coast my career away off here in Pittsburgh, which is beautiful. Like, the fact that L.A. didn't play him at that bottom six I was a mistake. They shouldn't have relied on him that much. Him being in Pittsburgh in that bottom six role was perfect. Exactly. You know, and for anybody who has an issue with the money, think of it this way. It's only $500,000 more than what he's making against the cap right now with the 50% retained from Los Angeles. So it really, it's really a moot point whenever you consider you know, players that may depart or, you know, next year at this time, they're not going to be paying $125,000 for Yusso Ricola to play down in Wilkes-Barre or things like that. You know, I mean, basically they took half of the Jack Johnson buyout, what, what they're paying the Jack Johnson buyout and said, we're going to commit that to Jeff Carter, you know, like it's, I think I think it's fine. I'm not really that much of sweating it. Um, obviously, now though, it makes things more interesting because you don't extend a 37 year old third line center if you're not going to try and keep this thing rolling for another three to four years. Um, which means they're going to go they're going to go out of their way and try and do everything in their power to keep the band together um however which way you do that um and i think that you know scotty and i have had extended discussions about it this week like they can realistically fit everybody in um but they need like one or two things to go their way if they're going to be able to extend brian russ too um you know because if you take the fan blinders off from Pittsburgh, you realize Brian Russ is probably a top 15 right winger in the NHL right now. And he's going to get paid as such. Um, You know, so much to the point that, you know, this is going to be the last chance the dude has to cash out. And I think that the so-called hometown discount might be off the table at this point. So there's that. You know, I mean, we're talking about a guy who could go out on the open market and get six million plus. Um, and if you're able to surround him with the right talent, he'd, he's going to be worth it every time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I think I figured six would be the the minimum for what he would for what he would get. You know, he's like you said, Doug. He's a great player and. It's it's a shame that the Pens are in the situation they're in where you just like you know you can't sign everybody. That's just what it comes down to. You have to pay Evgeny Malkin. You're gonna have to pay Chris Letang as well. And when you look at you know who who stays and who goes, as much as I hate to admit it, Brian Rust is probably the most the easiest to replace out of those three. You know I feel like the Penguins could do that fairly soon. They can do it in house too, which is the key part. They don't have to go out and get you know, a guy in free agency in order to make that happen. I feel like you can get a pull a guy up on the team right now and potentially play him with Sid and Jake Gensel. And that would, and it would work out fine. 
Yeah, it's as simple as getting Rodriguez to sign a three to four year deal and you play him with Crosby. Honestly, yeah. um, sign him with a three by three, and that'll make it work. Yeah, honestly, like I'm, I'm with, I'm, I'm on the board of give him the contract that Russ currently has right now, which is like three or four um, times three and a half. You know, um, that in hindsight, that contract was just straight up robbery by uh by rutherford you know and um honestly like let's talk about this now um everybody's worried about their ability to bring everyone back but like it's not impossible um they'll need to find a taker on jason zucker and honestly like as much as i might get heat for saying this Mike Matheson is playing himself to a point where somebody will take him on. I think I know the contract's still pretty rough, but like if he is able to keep up with the way that he's been and um, have a good playoff, I think all bets are off at this point in terms of whether or not that contract is the immovable boat anchor that we, we all believe that it is, or we're led to believe that it is. I still think it is personally. I feel like if, if you're going to try and move someone on the back end, if you got a better chance of moving like a Marcus Pedersen as opposed to Mike Matheson. I feel like that contract's still kind of, you know, daunting in a sense for teams to take on. I think they'll take, they'd rather take a chance with Pedersen because you're still, because he's only making four mil compared to four, eight, seven, five. And he's got, you got him for the next three years after any, after this season too. So in my eyes, you got a better shot at moving Pedersen as opposed to, uh, <clears throat> what's his name Mike Matheson but uh just for those just for the sake of things I mean looking at this obviously you want to, the Penguins are wanting to keep Malkin and Latane but the thing is that's going to make it difficult is just what they want you know Gino says he's willing to take a discount the reports that I'm reading are saying that he's only going to take like a million dollar pay cut like it's instead of getting him nine and a half it's going to be eight and a half and Latane on the other hand Latane doesn't want a pay cut he wants a pay raise Tane wants $8 million. So instead of, you know, getting that hometown discount, you have a guy that wants more money and a guy that is taking a discount, but it's not a, you know, I don't, I wouldn't call it a hometown discount in a sense. So let's say they're able to work Malkin down to between seven and seven and a half million. There's no way. I, I think, I think they could. He's not. Like I think, I think between seven and a half and eight is the ideal wheelhouse, and even then, that's still almost a one and a half to one point two five million dollar discount, which may not seem like a lot, but it's going to be a big deal when I, in the grand scheme of things. And Latang only wanting eight million, but allegedly isn't that big of a deal as people are bringing it out to be. That's only a $750,000 increase. Um, literally just the price point of an NHL player on like an AHL contract. Um, so, you know, that that's not worrying me. Um, you know, and honestly, these are the two guys, like I think that Latang and Malkin probably come last. I'm more, I'd, I'd be more worried about trying to figure out the filler guys um, before 
you know, you take care of those guys because you know that there's at least some sense of loyalty um, between those, between Latang and Malkin in the organization. So go out and take care of Rodriguez, take care of Danton Hyman if you want to. Go get, go set it up where Aston Reese's contract lines up with the end of Brock McGinn's, you know, stuff like that. And the, one of the bigger ones that they're going to need to sign that, um, might potentially become a casualty if he wants like a rather large raise would be Chadwick Weedle. Yeah, that's gonna be one. That's gonna be one too. Is how much is he gonna want? Because I feel like it's not. I mean, it's not gonna be anything luxurious. Obviously, it's not. I don't think it'll be anything more than you know two million max. But there's definitely. Gonna be, I feel like there would be a team that would pay that. But still, Whereas, him making two million sucks for them. Yeah, literally. Yeah, exactly. You know? I, don't, I don't think the Penguins would offer him a million, or I don't think they could, at least if they wanted it to work. You know, it would have they like the farthest I would go with him would probably be one and a half. Um, you know, and somebody that I think about with how Ruedel is, um, that I know that a team would be willing to shell out money for was um, look at how much Carson Susie got last year mm-hmm. um, on the market. I think he was yeah. making like two, like 2.75 now, you know, like you see, you see contracts like that. And then you see um, Tucker Pullman's current contract in Vancouver and you think, okay, like that's probably wheelhouse um, type. That's probably like what you're looking for in a Chadwick wheel extension, unfortunately, you know, some other guys you, uh, you mentioned here, Dougie, obviously um, you talked about, cause obviously I've, let me let's just let's screw it. Let's just rattle off the guys that are up for free agency for Pittsburgh. You have Gino, Brian Rust, Kasperi Kapanen, Zach Aston Reese, Danton Heinen, Evan Rodriguez, Brian Boyle, Dom Simone, Chris Latane, Chad Ruido, Mark Friedman, Casey DeSmith, Louis du- Louis Domingue, Drew O'Connor, Yuso Ricola. We've already said that some of those guys are walking. Like, for example, I think we're cool with letting Ricola go, obviously. Um, another name to DeSmith, he's, if he's not gone before the season's over, he's definitely done after this season, no doubt about it. Um, obviously, I think Brian Boyle and Dom Simone are probably gone too. Yeah. Um, what are we th- – me personally, I'm letting Danton Heinen walk. I know he's an RFA, but I, I'm cool with letting him go. I – you know, he's – I just – I don't – I haven't I bought into this hype. I just haven't. It's, I didn't it's really like- consistent for me. I would at least do the uh, non-tender, let him walk as a UFA, but keep the door open. I mean, if he's a guy that wants only between like two and a half and 2.75 on like a two, three-year deal, like I'm all about it. Like that's perfect third liner money. It's just a matter of if he's willing to commit to that. Um, You know, the biggest one that I'm wondering about though is – are they going to commit to Kapanen? I would. Okay. I I mean, I don't think I I don't think I'm like against it. It's just like I think that everybody's perception of what he's done in his time here is way overblown. Um, like for instance, like yesterday was his 82nd game in Pittsburgh. He has 20 goals, 34 points, or 34 assists, 54 points. If you got that from him in an 82 game season, that's perfectly fine. Like yeah, there's no there's complaints. nothing wrong with that. 
you know? No, not at all. Um, especially for a guy who's still making under three and a half million. Um, Which is probably what he would be offered on his next deal, you'd imagine. Yeah, I would say like the highest that they would go. He's, he's going to get the Brian Russ contract. I th- I feel like he's got a better chance getting it than Rodriguez does personally. I like that. I actually really, really like I that. I think Rodriguez so, gets three and Cap gets three and a half. That's that's like that's good stuff. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. You know, Drew O'Connor is not going to be hard to sign. That's going to be one of those ones that they do how it's like two way deal um, or two year deal, uh, 800K. One year's a two way deal, one year's a one way deal. You know, it's probably how it's going to go. And then I'm okay with, uh, I'm okay with potentially moving Marcus Patterson in the summer because P.O. Joseph is more comparable to that of a Marcus Patterson type player than he is to this offensive dynamo that everybody thought he was at the time of the Kessel trade. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's, he, he has that like Marcus Patterson, Olimata type demeanor where he plays solid two-way hockey and just pushes the puck up the ice. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's what John Marino needs. Like that's, that's the, the type of guy he needs to play with. Now, another guy I want to ask you about, because obviously the sample size we've seen from him isn't that large, but do you bring back Louis Domingue next year? If you can. To be the third goalie, yeah. I would, or if they need a third goalie, I would say yes. Um, but I think they'll have a more legitimate backup by the time the end of the season rolls around. And you know, their priority might be extending that guy because I'll be honest, man, next year, your third goal is probably going to be Philip Lindberg. Um, if, if that's on the table, you know, I've, I've always like, I've been getting the vibe with Philip Lindberg where they're going to try and just challenge him and see how he does in an elevated role in Wilkes-Barre and see if there's something there. You know, um, when he was signed, it seems like they have the intention of him being on the NHL roster at some point in the next year or so. This might be my hot take. I'm cool with Domingue being the backup. I'm okay with it too. I think if you, I think you, you give him 850 and have, put, have him be the backup and play 20 some games a year, I can make peace with that. Yeah. I'd probably prefer to look at the options first, but if it did come down to that, I wouldn't be infuriated as well. Like I, I would, I'd look around like just on the market and see who you got first. But if it does come down to that, then I, I wouldn't mind him like one year deal. I mean, I agree, but at the same time, like I still think that if we don't go into, I'm just going to put this out there. If we don't go into the middle of March with a new backup goalie on this roster, everything that we've talked about for the past like four to six weeks is in grave jeopardy of just being thrown to hell in a handbasket because Jari cannot keep this team on his back forever. You know, and it's, it's not even that he's like putting the entire like team on his back mantra type deal. It's just, he's carrying 
a major part of the workload and a rather, um, I, for lack of a better term, a rather unreasonable workload due to the fact that they they're the Penguins are currently incapable of employing a cap a um, competent NHL backup goaltender. Um, that's pretty much what's going on here, you know, and. Honestly, I think for Mike Sullivan's sake, not saying I'm not, and when I say this, I'm not saying that his job's in jeopardy by any sense, but for the sake of Mike Sullivan's sanity, they need to go get a backup like ASAP because you can tell just by some of the stuff he's saying about Casey DeSmith in these post-game press conferences, he's going like to all lengths and completely out of his way to not say the hell with this guy. Oh yeah. You, you saw it in the, in the Columbus game. Last oh uh, last Friday, two he, he pulled him after the first period. I remember my dad texted me. He's like, "Did the Smith get hurt?" I'm like, "No, they just pulled him after letting in two goals." And I'm, and you didn't, you couldn't blame him. But, and it's just like, I'm thinking, like, dude, we're gonna burn out Jari before he even gets the chance. You know? Yeah, and like, like you have a chance to get ready. Exactly, and we're 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 gonna play the game again here in about a half hour of how long until Tristan Jari gets in the game. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, literally, I was talking to my dad. I was like, yeah, the Smith has to start tonight. I was like, yeah, he'll, he'll get one period in, hopefully. But it's just – it's like I just don't know. It's just you can't rock with this guy heading into the postseason. You can't. You're, it's not going to work. Especially, like, you can't do that, especially in a pandemic world, you know? That's why the supposed, like, backup options that I've said to you guys over the past – however many weeks here have been rather unorthodox and kind of out of the ordinary and are actually in most cases, number one goaltenders on other teams. Um, like uh, that's why I'm saying they need like a Jonas Corpusala or a Braden Holtby type player where if they need to start a stretch of games, they're going to be damn capable of starting those stretches of games. We're not going to be, you know, running around, hoping to God that Casey DeSmith can string some weird magic alchemy together because we all know that that's, we're, we're far past that at this point. Um, Also um, with Teddy Bluger being out longer term, being out like, what is it? Like six, eight weeks or whatever it is. Something like that. Essentially. I think they have to go look for a bottom six forward at the deadline. Just to limit the workload of Brian Boyle. Mm. And when I say that, I don't mean like go out and get a superstar. I'm saying like just yeah. go trade for just go trade for like Zemgis Gergensons. Or something like that. I'm thinking like you know, do the Penguins have someone that they could like? Could they give like a a shot for at Casper Bjorkvist again, or uh, uh, what's the what's the tall guy's name? Anthony Angelo. Would you want to throw him in there possibly? If you, I mean, Zahorna and O'Connor too. Yeah, well, O'Connor's on the shelf right now. But that the Drew O'Connor situation is interesting because there's that report out there that um, he's recovering from a collapse lung. Yeah, I saw that. What's the deal with that? 
Like I, I don't, I didn't read it, but I just saw what what was happening with. I it. don't know, but the, but the organization and the, and his agent both declined to confirm whether or not it's true. So there's, there's something interesting with that. But um, yeah, like the Hornet would be okay, but also like with the way Brian Boyle's playing right now what do you do like i mean he's been lights out you know um that's one of those things i need to just take a moment to old takes expose myself for throwing an absolute hissy fit about him being on the roster because (laughs) at the surface he doesn't really fit what they do he doesn't like he just never was that type of guy but like just he's bought in and he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And the fact that he said the only move he had was to put it between his legs is just hilarious. On that, on that goal he scored the other night, that's just incredible. Um, If you had told me at the beginning of the year that uh, Brian Boyle was going to be a potential goal of the year candidate for the Penguins, (laughs) would have laughed you out of the building. That's great though. Good for him. None of us expected him to do this. No. Like at all, <laughs> we, like no. not. We all threw hissy fits because we're like, why is he even on this team? Like, why was that even thought of? It's but it's working. <laughs> like, well, you guys know I will always have that type of response to signings like that, just because of um, I'm still like a chronic sufferer of Jack Johnson PTSD. Right. So I don't know. It just is what it is. But um. I mean, they've been playing really good without certain guys in the lineup. And, you know, they might have to reconfigure what that fourth line looks like whenever um, Bluger comes back because, honestly, guys, I don't think you take Brock McGinn away from Jeff Carter right now. He's looked very good on that line. He has. He has looked very good on that line. And we always knew that potential was there with him too. Like, Mm -hmm. we knew that – you know, if someone had a shot at he, – he had that potential to not only replace Brandon Tanev, obviously, but potentially slide up into that third line spot. So, I'm I'm cool with that, honestly. I think what you do is you – when Bluer does come back, you just roll the dice with Aston Reese and Zahorn on his wings, personally. I could see that um, because, you know, I could see Aston Reese and Zahorna or – Honestly, um, when the when they're fully healthy and Zucker's back, I think Danton Heinen moves down to the fourth line with them. Could you imagine? Because, because Zucker would go back with Malkin. And Kapanen's still playing with Malkin in this scenario. Yeah, you can't you can't take him away from Malkin, honestly. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, who knows how long Zucker's out because yeah. he's got that core muscle surgery done. And it's like, you know, could he be like Sid and be back in, two, in like six weeks? Or is it going to be like how it was where that's what got Nick Bukestad in the end? Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't know. Like that's just – that's one of those surgeries where 
your body can respond to it so many so many different ways you know yeah. so and also like i'm okay with dom simone being on that fourth line like i've told you guys before like he has the defensive instincts to play on that fourth line um and he really showed that that in that vegas game that like huge back check um yeah. you know but yeah that third line's been playing really good obviously i would love to see rodriguez get some more run in the top six but if you're able to get it where he's cooking with jeff carter that that gives you like a whole not a whole nother scoring line that you didn't have before you know and like i was talking about that with my dad because he was he, I'm not gonna lie to you. He was being complaining, complaining a lot and whining about Rodriguez not being in the top six. I was just like, but if it works, it gives them a whole nother option for them to just. It gives them a whole. It gives them a completely different way to kill you. Is what it does. Like if we're just gonna be completely honest, um, you know, really like getting a third line going is like the only missing like piece to the puzzle you know like that's that's the missing it's the missing spice to this championship winning gumbo boys <laughs> gotta we gotta get it going you know yeah because honestly like the top six is scary right now malkin looks really good um yeah. reports of chemistry being disrupted be damned um, I was just about to say something. I was thinking, I yeah. was thinking it too. I was like, that, that, team, that, team, that team chemistry is safe. Thank goodness. The power play looks great. Light years better with Malkin on it than it did without him. <laughs> Go figure. Crazy what happens when you throw a top 10 player of a generation back into a power play. Insane. Never would have thought. <laughs> Never, ever would have thought. Um, but yeah, like they're in a good spot, you know. Obviously, go get a backup goalie. We need the backup goalie. I don't know what they'll do or how they'll do it, but I figured I would just let you know that this week's flavor of the week is Jonas Corpusala. <laughs> I'm, I'm think I've been thinking about Jonas Corpusala. And honestly, like, as much as it's going to physically pain a lot of us to admit it, I would take Flurry back <laughs> at 50% in a heartbeat, just simply because it's a competent body that knows how to f- freaking play goalie. And literally, that's it. They're going to, you know, people are going to want to start, though. And that's the thing too. I feel like if he's going to get moved, it's it's going to be to a team that actually needs a starter, not yeah, that's not, true, not to be a backup. So, like I, like I said a couple episodes ago, he's probably got a better shot going to Edmonton than he does, uh, and he does Pittsburgh. That's just my opinion. But yeah, I could see Edmonton. Um, you know, but another reason why I liked the idea of doing that trade with Chicago was, you know, maybe you could dispose of a contract. A problematic contract, you know. I'm not saying Mike Matheson, but like that team's very desperate for top six forwards right now. Like, could they take on Jason Zucker? 
you know? Um, I mean, I don't care what anyone says. It's way better than Jonathan Taves playing on a line with Sam Lafferty. You just scored. I think he just scored either last night or a couple nights ago for like the first time in a year. So good for him. Or two years, actually. He has those games where he has like an insane pass or just scores a goal like once a year. Yeah. And then the rest of it, he just forgets how to play his actual role. It's <laughs> it's incredible. Um, yeah. And also, Alex Nylander is probably going to be up on this roster by the playoffs. God, I hope. Like, I, I really think that that's possible. And, you know, if Zucker's out longer term and doesn't come back right away, and you need somebody to play with Malkin, why not? Or you need somebody to play on that third line to move Brock down, why, why, why not try it? You know, because that gives you another really good potential scorer yeah. in your lineup, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think it's way better than the um, – you know, the curious case of Daniel Sprong. Um, like it was during the other cup runs. Like, honestly, I think that there's more potential there with Nylander to be a competent NHLer than there was with Sprong at that age. Um, but moving forward, Trevor Zegers finally pulled off of Michigan. It's only a matter which, of time. It, yeah, it was basically a ticking time bomb and it just happened to go off last night. Um, I was so impressed with how he was just able to do it in quick stride. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like most players that we've seen do it had to come to a complete stop first. But he just yeah. – I feel like he did it all in one motion. He, he made it look the most casual out of everyone who's done it yeah. so far. Like, yeah, didn't – he like flipped the puck up over a stick and then just kind of went in behind the net and just tucked it in like it was nothing. Yeah, it was, it was very, he made it look very casual. Like, whenever you saw Sveshnikov did it, he stopped behind the net and then he, you know, went up with it. Forsberg kind of like had to do a little balancing act with it whenever he did it. With Zegers, you can tell this guy does this in practice like every day. <laughs> he, like, it's just, it's, it's just, you know, it's mentally ingrained in his mind that he knows how to do it because he's practiced it so many times. Just go around the net and then scoop it and put it in. It was a great goal. And it's all, of course, it's very, it's how poetic is it that, the young American buries it on the, uh, in the French Canadian city of Montreal. It's great. Push the narrative. There we go. Yeah, it was, it was an awesome goal. Um, and another thing I think we should touch on is the flyers might blow it up. It definitely seems that way. They have, is their losing streak still alive? I think, what are they at now? Yeah. 13, 13. 13. Wow. 14. Um, so there's that. That's a big one to keep an eye on because there's going to be an absolute bidding war for Claude Giroux if he's if he chooses to wave his no movement clause. Okay. He, he's got to want to say it's if he wants to leave first. I've seen people uh, throw Konechny's name around too. So that's another one to keep an eye out for. But yeah, 10 games in, uh, it's like, to, to have two separate 10 game losing streaks in a season. That's rough. He's insane. Brutal. And yeah. Definitely did not see that coming from this team. And uh, 
I expected better out of them, to be honest with you. I didn't think it would be they would be like at the bottom of the division where they were at, but well, to just completely fall off the table again. Well, cousin, wasn't it what like like a year or two, maybe even three years ago? Like we were talking about like them contending. Like I remember that. <clears throat> like I literally remember we were talking about them potentially making a playoff push at one point because Carter Hart was playing absolutely insane, but now they've he's been exposed and the rest of the Flyers have been exposed. So there goes that. <laughs> there goes that narrative. I mean, it was there was a lot of encouraging signs of them becoming a legitimate contender after the um after the bubble. Yeah. Because there there was a two week period there where Everybody they thought were the, they were one of the play-in teams, weren't they? Yeah, like and yeah, they were one of the, they were one of the teams who like just played that little like round robin and in the seating. Yeah, and they were damn near close to the conference final. Yeah, mm-hmm. like they were they were that close. Um, you know, and that was one of my favorite teams to watch during that bubble run. Honestly, like they were a lot of fun to watch, and um, you know. Konechny getting moved would be interesting because, like, I know he can also play center, but he plays a lot of wing. Yeah. I could see Minnesota offering up Kevin Fiala to get Travis Konechny there to play center. Hmm. I could see that being a potential a potential move. Or, you know, wouldn't Giroux in Minnesota just be awesome? That would be cool, um, you know. That's a thought. That's a thought for sure. <laughs> and, then if, and then, of course, you know the two main guys that are in the Giroux sweepstakes, so to say, are um, going to be Colorado and Boston, yeah. because Colorado never really has center depth, and Boston is still trying to replace Dave Krejci. So that's something interesting to keep an eye on. And also, just want you guys to know, Brock McGinn is in the top six right now. Who's he playing with? Oh, it's Malkin Malkin and Capita. Obviously, I'm an idiot. But yeah, yeah. flipped. Noted podcast guest. Yes, podcast. Damn right. You're damn right. But yeah, that's um, it's interesting. Okay, so do we want to talk about how bad Rask has been playing since he came back? (laughs) Yeah, that's. Gosh, my dad texted me like one, like sometime, like earlier this weekend. It's like Rass led in seven goals last night against, I forget who it was, might have been Carolina or something. Uh, yeah, it was Carolina. Yeah. Or he did at least. Like, well, that's what happens when you take half a year off and don't play any games. That's usually, you're not going to ease your way back into it, unfortunately. So, I mean, that's, that's an interesting situation in Boston, too. Because I remember we, we kind of talked about whenever we were whenever we had uh, Smitty on as to what they were going to do with that odd goalie out. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. almost the quote unquote starter, if you want to call him that. And there's Rask and uh, Swayman still there. So, I mean, if Rask keeps playing like this, do you even bother bringing that guy back next year? Because I really, really can't afford to. Because Bergeron, correct me if I'm wrong, Bergeron's up after this year, right? I think so, yeah. So Boston's kind of like in, in Pittsburgh situation. Let me pull it up here. Yeah, Bergeron's up. Debrusques, Lazar. That's it. So really, they're only losing Bergeron and Debrusque. So, I mean, 
Yeah, that's the that's their situation for now, but that'll be an interesting one to see how that plays out. Uh, who else was I who else was I looking at? There was another team that that has an interesting uh, offseason coming up. I just started t- checking out other teams after I saw all the Pens news. Colorado's gonna have another interesting uh, offseason too, because I feel like that one's gonna be interesting because they have to. Not only do you have to. These are the guys that are up for free agency for them this season. It's Burakovsky and Kadri are two names that are up. Which one of those guys are you going to bring back? Well, if Kadri keeps playing like he is, they're probably going to bring back Kadri. But, I mean, isn't he, like, in his 30s? He's 31 and Burakovsky's 26. Okay. Yeah, then that's – they that's, either can risk it – that's yeah, they either can risk it with Kadri, but, I mean, it's a good question. You can make an argument for both sides. But. And they also have uh, Kemper and Franco up after this year, too. That's, that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, if, there was, if there was ever a scenario where the Bruins trade, tried to trade Jeremy Swayman, I think Colorado should be the team that tries to pony up the, the assets for it. legit um but yeah i think a lot of that boils down to is how much money are you willing to commit to nazim kadri at going into his age 32 season yeah you know i mean he's always been one of the more underrated guys in the league but you know can you trust them to stay consistent and keep stringing together a great couple more seasons into the end of his career and not kill somebody when the playoffs rolls around. Yes. Because you can't score any points in the press box. Exactly. Not, not going to happen. Exactly. Do we want to talk any about uh, Evander Kane signing in Edmonton? Oh boy. Yeah. I was just about to bring that up next because as if that entire organization could not get any more toxic and messy, <laughs> they – they go ahead and sign Evander here's, Kane. Here's hockey's version of Antonio Brown. Literally. This is literally. hockey's version of we're stuck in a global pandemic and we need employees, so we're keeping this guy here. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> legit. Um, man, I don't even know. Like, I know he's not a bad player. But I don't think he's good enough to warrant, like, dealing with all this side stuff no he's not you know that's why whenever everybody was talking about him coming to pittsburgh i was so adamantly against it because i'm just like he's good but he's not that good no it's not worth the headache and that's the thing like they've been waiting for him to get it together for the last three teams (laughs) since buffalo and then san jose they thought oh we finally fixed him here in the san jose no haven't fixed that yet and now this is the third time where they're waiting for him to get it together I don't know, man. And it's not like it's not like he's going into a – I don't want to call it a winning situation right now because, I mean, Edmonton, they're, start, they're playing a little bit better now, but it's still not enough for you to be like, okay, this team's like – this is a, a winning team here. They're still all over the place. You know, I don't know, man. It's, it, yeah. it's, a, mess. it's a mess up north. It's insane that someone actually gave him another chance – considering everything that's come out true or false rumors like it's it's insane 
But I mean, Doug said it the best. I mean, you need, you need people to play. You need employees. So somebody's got to wear the jersey. Exactly. So I guess that's him. It's it's just crazy to me how comedically, how comically bad the Oilers can continue to be. They don't have any like, depth. They've never had depth. You know, and whenever we were talking about um, the Jeff Carter extension, how important it is to have a third line center. Think about this for a second. The Oilers third line center with arguably the two best players in the world is they're not one and two. Their third line center is Ryan McLeod. Quite the drop off. That's bad. I'm sorry. That's really bad. Like you go from, you know, you go from people arguing about Jeff Carter, who could be a second line center on most teams in the league making $3 million to be a third-line center to looking at the Oilers and thinking, oh, my God, they have an NHL 13th forward centering their third line. Literally. McLeod's making eight hundred k and he has seven points in 28 games this year. Oh, my God. He's oh, younger. boy. Like, I get why, the, why they're trying to play him there, but, like, might be a little too much for him right now. Um, I mean, your other options are Derek Ryan – Devin Shore and not even Kyle Terrace anymore. He just got put on waivers. So, <laughs> yeah. What do you do? Yeah. So no one's, I mean, I know what they do. It's just for whatever reason, everybody in the Oilers organization, their fans alike are adamantly against it. You play Ryan Nugent Hopkins at the position he was drafted to play. Yeah. You play him at center. Mm-hmm. You know? And I hate to break it to everybody. What happened with the Oilers is what the Penguins would have been had they paid Jordan Stahl all that money 10 years ago. Or had Jordan Stahl actually accepted it. Yes. Yeah. Had Jordan Stahl accepted it. You're right. They they wanted him. They wanted him. He just didn't want to be here anymore. Wait, how much did they offer? I think I was a little too young to remember. 10 years, 60 million or something like that. Wasn't that it? 10 years, 60 million, dude. He said no. So if you're if you're turned down that much money, you're like, okay, you clearly don't want to be here anymore. Oh, he accepted God. the same same yeah. contract. He signed the same one with when Rutherford got him from uh, Carolina. Oh my God! He the same contract a week later. Oh, it was my all God. an advanced ploy to play with Eric. Craziness. I love how everything on this podcast still somehow ties back to Jordan Stall in the end. <laughs> Like, I was thinking about that. Like, I was thinking about our Brock McGinner interview earlier today. And I was like, I feel like we asked him more questions about Jordan Stahl than we did about him himself. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. But uh, is there anything else that you guys want to cover? No. I'm going to watch Casey DeSmith try and play goalie in about 10 minutes here. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not looking forward to it, but we're going <laughs> to we're gonna sit through it and do it anyway, damn it. Yep. All right, guys, this has been another episode of 4Checking TV. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at 4Checking TV and look for us wherever you get your podcast from. All right, guys, good night.